Hello, church family. Uh, this is uh, chapter 4 of Esther, part 3. And uh, if you recall from the last this last week, we talked about how uh, the more we understand pretty much the extremes between man and God, the, the contrasting the nature of both of them, uh, that we can actually trust God more. Uh, we talked about how uh, yesterday about man's actions and God's the one giving the result, and, that, and what I mean by that is providence versus sovereignty. That how every seemingly small thing that that man does is actually part of God's sovereign plan, and ultimately whatever He does, it is for our good. And knowing that we have the sovereign God that's always watching over us, that's always in control of everything, um, it should give us comfort knowing that uh, this is the God that we worship. In, in every step of this of this, this this of this story in the book of Esther and in our own lives, uh, God is in complete uh, control of everything, um, and we can trust Him for that. Uh, providence is often called the soft pillow in which we lay down our head, and that's true because the more we see how providence is played out in our life, the more uh, amazed we are uh, by who God is. So today, I'm going to focus on another attribute of man and God, and again, using it as a contrast for us to see how we can trust the Lord during this time. Uh, so our second point is going to be man's finiteness versus God's infinitude, or the infinity of God. And we see this in this text in the beginning, or the, the middle of verse 14, where it says that, and who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. Verse 15, then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink three days, night or day. I, my maidens, will also fast in the same way. Thus I will go in to the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and did just as Esther commanded him. So these are finite people who have not really an understanding of what it what the future is going to hold. A lot of um, what the people here, especially since they're not even worshiping the Lord, is um, they're just really trying their luck. Uh, Esther said that she has no clue uh, what's going to happen. She's going to go against uh, a norm, a normal custom. She's going to walk and see if the king will take her in. And uh, if he doesn't, then that would mean that uh, she's going to die, and she's okay with that. But even Mordecai, before this, in the end of verse 14, acknowledged that, um, that Esther is here uh, for such a time as this. Even Mordecai started to see a little bit of how uh, everything is played out. And um, I think this is, as I said before, verse 14 is really the most theological Mordecai gets at this point. He speaks about how, even earlier, that if, uh, if, if, if Esther doesn't save him, then, then someone else will be, will be raised up to deliver them. Uh, but he doesn't know if, if Esther herself is raised up for such a time as this. And you can see how every providential situation was played out. Right? Esther uh, was this orphan girl, a uh, refugee, uh, who loses her family and then gets adopted in by Mordecai. And she, in her own life, has very little control, uh, but she still acted on the things that were just normal things in life, or was normal to her. You know, God was sovereign in a sense of, um, you know, knitting her in the womb for her to look the way that she does, because uh, she was known by her beauty, and there was nothing that she could have done to make her look the way that she does. 
yeah, she can do all the beautifying thing, but that just enhances her natural beauty. All her natural beauty came from the Lord. And Mordecai here is saying, perhaps God is doing something with this. Uh, again, this is the only time where we actually kind of see a sense in which uh, uh, they go theological here. And we understand that even in this uh, context, um, Mordecai understands that uh, everyone is where they are because that's where we're, they're supposed to be. And we look at our own lives. That's how we are. Right? We, we have to understand that we are where we are because that is where God wants us to be. Doing the will of God and honoring him isn't always so grand. In fact, uh, some of the things that we will do is really sm small things. Um, but where you are is where God wants you to be. Uh, you being shut in right now is ultimately where God wants you to be. And for some, it's uh, the reason why you're shut in. Uh, it's because you just need rest. I think our culture, especially this time now, has forced us to slow down. Some of the workaholics aren't allowed to work as hard anymore, work as much, because the, that opportunity is taken away from them. Others, it, it's, it's really, it's just, <clears throat> excuse me, for others, it's, it's just really to, uh, to deal with, uh, with life. Yeah, you're, you lose all of the, the, the joys and the temporal happiness of this world, and you have to face with the reality of, um, of the, that these things in the world can be taken away from you. For others, some of us, uh, such as, this is an opportunity for us to just work on our spiritual disciplines. Um, you're having a, a lot more time now, so you have more time to devote yourself to the, to the means of grace. Uh, I said this yesterday about how uh, there are three means of grace. There is uh, reading God's word, prayer, and fellowship. And although fellowship, and we have like a small, a weaker version because we don't, we're not meeting each other face to face, uh, the other two should be enhanced more. Uh, I have a friend Actually, I even remember just for me when I was in L.A., even all my friends that used to drive to work, they like in L.A., even the Bay Area, some of them take like hours to drive. And I remember just, just keeping, you know, encouraging one another that uh, one thing we could do during these long drives was to pray or to or read or to redeem the time, or not read, but like you know, listen to you know, good things so that we can um, you know, redeem the time as best as we can. Now we don't have those like hour-long drives. We can use it. Uh, you, but we can use those hours that, uh, that we have, that we get back so we can serve, uh, the Lord through our reading and through our meditation, through our prayer. Um, and this is kind of like having a daylight savings every single day. You get an hour or two back that you wouldn't have had had the virus did not take place. This is how we need to redeem the time. You're exactly where you are. So you need to continue to do what you're supposed to do. Uh, however, um, the Lord has placed you. And I think sometimes that's hard for us to understand because we don't, we're always thinking about our temporalness. The, uh, we, we're focusing on the finite instead of God's uh, plan. Uh, he, we're not focusing on the things that, um, uh, that have eternal significance. Uh, you have stuff you need to do, even in your quarantine time, so you need to go do it. Um, you know, even biblically, we're called to not worry about tomorrow for we have enough problems today. So we should be faithful with what we have at, at hand. Um, no matter what we're doing at the moment, we need to know that there's an eternal perspective in all things. As long as you aren't sinning, you can glorify God in whatever you do. And this is what we find in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, that whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God. And, you know, when I think about man's finiteness and God's infinitude 
man's finiteness is revealed at how little uh, wisdom they have and even how they can't escape the plan of God. They can't hide from the plan of God. They can't run from it. Uh, the only thing they can do is they just have to embrace it. Uh, I'm reminded in uh, First Kings 22. Yeah, First Kings 22. Uh, there was a king. If you're not familiar with the story, there was a king Ahab. Uh, he uh, he said that he there was a prophecy against him that he's going to die, and King Ahab thought that he could run from the the will of the Lord. So there was a war going on. So he decided to to disguise himself and the. Uh, um, and the enemies were were trying to find the, the king and kill him, but uh, they they realized that like when they were searching for him that uh, he wasn't there, so they uh, chose to just kind of like leave him leave the area alone. So King Ahab was running and was just trying to you know escape uh, God's uh, God's will, I guess. And in chapter in First Kings chapter twenty two verse thirty four, it says that a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel in a joint of the armor. So he said to the driver of his chariot, turn around and take me out of the fight so I am severely, for I am severely wounded. The, the, the Christian standard Bible, instead of using randomly, it just said he just shot without thinking. It's just this idea that it's like imagine someone uh, is looking for the world's most wanted man and you uh, we're just eating a banana one day. And you just decide to throw the banana peel out the window, and then the the world's most wanted man somehow runs in the street, slips on your banana, hits his head, and then the cops find him. That's how random it seems, uh, and that's what goes on in uh, uh, from our life, in, from a perspective. Everything just seems like it's random, but yet we know that God is in control of everything. God is in, in control of that arrow that struck King Ahab. God is in control of um. Esther and uh, her life of being from an orphan to being a queen and God's control of our lives during this whole coronavirus. Uh, and we should see how this, this we see, if we, as we look at these passages of scripture, it should make us marvel at how great God is, how, how his knowledge is beyond us. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Do you not know, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. In other translations, it doesn't use the word inscrutable, but use the word infinite. Um, God is an all-powerful God. There's no, there's no limit. There's no top. Uh, there's no limit to where his, where, where his mind goes. He can do anything. He can orchestrate things. And he, and he's not. Uh, and we're not. He's not held accountable to us. Like he doesn't need to answer us. Whatever he wants to do, he can do it because he is God. And we can trust that everything he does is for our good. Psalm 147, verse 5, Great is our God and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. Um, again, this just shows how powerful he is, how uh, he is, there's, no, there's nothing about him that, is, uh, that he has to like, work through or wrestle through like, the way that we have to. First uh, Chronicles Verse 20, chapter 28, verse 9, it says, As for you, my son Solomon, know that God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing heart and a willing mind. For the Lord stretches all hearts and understands every intent of, of the thought. If you seek him, he will, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. And this is what we need to understand. That this difference between who God is, his knowledge is, is beyond us, 
something that's infinite, whereas ours were finite. And even when we want to use the term the infinite, the, in, the infinitude of God, what I mean is that He is all powerful, He's all knowing, and He's all all present. You know, the, all the different omnis, and we know that that to be true. So this is why we need to not think about our own abilities, our own knowledge, or even our own place in history, but rather we trust the Lord who is sovereign over all things. Um, and as we think about these truths, as, as we grasp these truths in our lives, we can have complete joy and trust and even have calm during this time. I think that's part of the reason why all the faithful saints of the past that we know and all the missionaries that we're learning about, they have such a, a great trust in the Lord because they know who he is. So my um, exhortation for us is to think about these attributes of the Lord. Don't be like Mal- don't be like Mordecai here, who's just kind of like assuming that things are happening. Again, he's he gets somewhat theological, but don't be like him. Have the assurance that yeah, our God is worth the trust. That we can trust Him no matter what happens, no matter how long this fire is going to take. It's, it's for our good. It's this purifying effect for us to be more like our heavenly Father. And we trust that. And as you're in, as we're all in this together that we just do the best that we can. For some of you, just work hard at home. Some of you study hard. Um, others of you, look for a job. Be faithful with the time. Some of you might need to just uh, repent from your laziness and, and spend more time devoting your time uh, praying and reading. Others of you need to repent of your sins so you could be a good testimony at home. Who, Whatever it may be, represent Christ the best you can the time that is given you. Because we understand that we worship this God that is worthy of all praise. Okay, that's it for today. Tomorrow we're going to end chapter 4 by looking at man's perspective versus God's perspective. Okay, I'll see you guys tomorrow.